This is Future Sight, a show from Capgemini Invent. I'm Liz Lunier. On this show, we explore new ways for you to adapt and grow for the future in business. On today's show, we're discussing sustainability and tourism. Consumers today are looking for authentic and engaging experiences when traveling. But these market trends are presenting unique sustainability challenges. So how can businesses and market leaders shift the tourism industry to protect the natural environments we all enjoy and ensure that tourists of the future can enjoy the same experiences? Joining me today to discuss this are experts from here at Capgemini. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Cyril Garcia, Group Head of Sustainability for Capgemini and the CEO of Capgemini Invent. And... Hello, this is Michael Jacobides. I'm the Sir Donald Gordon Professor of Entrepreneurship and Innovation and Professor of Strategy at the London Business School. Among other things, I'm the Strategy Advisor at ELET, one of the Greece's foremost NGO for environmental protection. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Tourism is an industry that is almost entirely dependent on our natural environment and its sustainable use. Michael, what are some examples of the environmental issues facing the tourism industry right now? Well, first of all, when we say environment, I think that we can think broadly. Uh, We have two things to consider. We have the natural environment, and then we have the social and cultural environment, i.e., have the challenges that relate to the sustainability of the planet. And of course, tourism uh, is a bit of a challenge there because we move around and moving around, uh, we're also uh, emitting what will end up heating up the world. But beyond that, I think the most important impact is the way in which tourism onslaught is starting to change the very attractiveness and cohesion and identity, let alone the natural environment in the places where tourists go. The reason that people like going, um, leaving their houses and going to other places is to get to know distinct, unique, different places. And I think that the concern is that with the unrelenting growth of uh, touristic flows, uh, these are starting to become challenged. First of all, environmentally, because tourists development means that we are building infrastructure that may go beyond the carrying capacity of the places where tourists want to go. And second, because it is changing the nature and identity of the places where tourists go. The final thing that I'd say, and this is where I think the exciting bit is, turning a challenge into an opportunity, is that we are also at a time where we are reconsidering what tourism means. Does tourism just mean going there and ticking boxes? Or does tourism mean that we go to explore something in pursuit of a more authentic experience, which might, just might, if we frame it right, be able to support the sustainability of this place? That's really interesting, Michael. Cyril, how has the tourism industry changed from an economic, environmental and practical sense over the past five years? Uh, I think we are uh, we are uh, living a revolution. I mean, uh, and there are uh, several steps, but tourism is an industry, uh, as Michael said. And so like each and every industry, tourism is uh, needs to take into account the new uh, constraints uh, linked to the climate change and the necessity to protect the planet. So what you have seen in the last five years, as I said, is the first step, the first phase, where from the 
regulation standpoint, you see the limitation of uh, Machu Picchu, you see the regulation in uh, Venezia, you see some uh, some uh, prehistoric caverns uh, being closed in the, in the south of France. So there is regulation ongoing, and I think it's very important because we see more and more of, of this and more limitations. The second aspect is that uh, you see from the demand side, the consumers now expect, I would say, more shareable experiences as well engaging with the with the local environment. That's the first step. You see as well that, uh, have in mind uh, maybe Airbnb, starting to offer some uh, rural tourism experiences. So things are, are slightly uh, changing and starting to break, you know, the, the, the mass tourism paradigm. But it's still there. But I, I like to point, as I said in this first step, all the, the, the small signals to pre-announce, if I may say, uh, major changes. To build on what Michael said, I think we see uh, popping up uh, some uh, through the social media, the rise of consumers' expectation uh, of a destination. Uh, you see that uh, people uh, prepare more their, uh, their experiences. You talk about experience and more and more, the concept of the uh, checklist uh, tourism is moving to the experience. And I think that's a, that's a good vehicle uh, to, develop, uh, to develop awareness. So in a nutshell, a revolution is ongoing, uh, like in each and every industry, uh, and we are living the first phase uh, of this uh, revolution. That's really interesting, Cyril. So what you're saying is, is that we're moving away from places that usually had an infrastructure that was related to tourism, like the Eiffel Tower or the Versailles or the Louvre. And people are going to these places for the awesome Instagram photograph that might not have a um, specific infrastructure there to support it. Do you think that consumers really have an expectation of tourism that isn't sustainable now? So it's it's a difficult answer. Uh, it's a difficult question for me and a difficult answer as I live very uh, close to the to the Eiffel Tower. So uh, I've seen the, the the fantastic growth of tourism and the rebound post uh, post COVID. But I think the uh, the experience is becoming is becoming uh, more and more digital. So there will be limitations and probably as well and tower. And so people will have to play with with uh, with digital to compensate what they, they can't experience uh, physically. But more, I, I like to insist on, on on something, and I know Michael uh, is uh, is familiar with this concept of circular economy. We know in each and every industry. The, the, we see the ramping up of the circular economy. What is it? It's basically the end of, uh, let's call it, linearity. Extract, product, consume, and throw away. So now it's time to recycle. And our, our conviction at, at Capgemini is that there will be, and, uh, and here I'm, I'm, I'm really joining the Michael's point, which is the purpose at some point. So... If you apply the, the principles of circularity to tourism, you have to, to consider the purpose-driven experience. And this is a fantastic uh, opportunity for this industry because, uh, to, be, to be blunt, there is business to create and develop around it, but a business purpose-driven. And again, I, I like to draw the parallel with other industries. It's very true in automotive. It's very true uh, in each and every uh, big manufacturing uh, area. 
circularity will be imposed because there is scarcity because uh, we uh, the, the framework of the young citizen will be more and more the, the planetary uh, boundaries concept so this this uh, circularity principle will be a must even in the, in the in the tourism industry and i think that michael phrased it very well what is purpose in this industry michael You um, like to talk about Santorini and Mykonos. Can you explain how some of these tourism trends have really affected your Greek islands? Well, the word cheap, I think, with Santorini and Mykonos is probably rather misplaced. So, um, possibly accessible, we can talk about that. But, you know, let's be real, not cheap. Um, uh, let me actually, I, uh, very interesting stuff that Cyril mentioned. So let me just try to piggyback on, on, on what he was saying. I think that there is secularity, first of all, is certainly one of the planetary requirements. Uh, we are uh, living in an era where we are not able to continue a model that we have certainly taken over the last 100-150 years in terms of producing and discarding and essentially dumping the stuff that we don't care about. And I think that we are only now starting to understand that uh, when it comes to recycling of all sorts, and this needs to be um, enhanced. I think, though, that um, in addition to circularity, I think that there's a very interesting confluence because we are also seeing people shifting the way that they consume. And that happens not only in tourism, but all over the place. So what people are doing is not buying stuff, but buying integrated experiences. That's what, you know, the big technology firms are selling. That's what B2B firms are selling. Everything now becomes packaged on the experiential basis. And I think that what you see is that consumers start expecting it. And I think that this is where this is both an opportunity and a challenge, because we now need to be more proactive and shape people's expectation of what on earth will this experience be? And we need, I think, those of us who are involved in either advising people in the industry or helping shape the views of the leadership of the industry, because I think that there is a true responsibility of industry leaders and advisors to create a template that is going to be sustainable. Sustainability will not come by itself. Uh, one of the problems is that, unfortunately, we do not see the implications of our action until someone says, look, if you continue that way, things aren't going to work. So I think that there are the foundations, the basis for changing the way tourism works, but I think that we also need work. Who needs to work? I think the industry needs to work towards that, and I think that you are already seeing this working. I think that on the advisory stuff that work, that we need to move in this direction, and I certainly think that regulation and government needs to move in this direction. And in Greece, I think that we're doing, I'll give you one specific example to show you how these things work out. So let's now say, okay, if there are these bases that can make tourism sort of more exciting and more sustainable, well, there's a couple of things that stand in the way. And that is that if you leave things unchecked, you will simply burden the environment. If you go to Sandorini right now, It looks like the subway in London in rush hour uh, as people are waiting to be photographed in what I, as a teenager, remember as a place that you would take a romantic stroll down in Ia. Uh, and the reality of Instagram is sadly vastly different from the reality that not only tourists, but also 
locals experience. And what we have seen, for instance, and uh, it is certainly good that we have seen Airbnb that is expanding the sense of what is possible, but the growth of Airbnb entirely unchecked and unregulated in places like these has the implication of pricing out teachers and nurses and doctors and police people from islands like Mykonos Andorini, they can't even afford to live there. So there's a question of balance between the local population and tourism. And I think that what Cyril was mentioning also in terms of Venice was a reflection of how cities are starting to say, oh, well, tourism is great, but we need to have tourism in support of the economy, not the world in support of tourism. How can we do that? Well, we can do that. So, for instance, in Greece, one of the things that we have not done is to do the planning so that rather than subsidizing, as they have, ersatz sort of specialized new construction, big areas where you can put the tourists, is give the incentives, as they have started giving in Italy, of taking the existing building stock old villages and turning them into places where people can have a touristic experience. It is the circularity um, elements that Cyril was mentioning will not happen by themselves. The good news is consumers already instinctively are moving this direction. The better news is that the generation below mine, and Cyril's if I may say, are starting to be much more aware of the environmental issues and are already to accept and consume these products, which is why I'd agree with Cyril that this is an opportunity in waiting for us to take advantage um, of it. And I think that um, we need to support these first steps. I agree with Cyril that we are beginning of the revolution. The revolution needs leadership, and the leadership is not going to come from outside. All of us who are interested in studying and engaging with this area I think, need to help shape it, both in terms of creating some checks and balances, because you do need checks and balances, because otherwise, you know, the building pressures will eliminate the natural beauty and the natural environment in places like Mykonos and Santorini, even more so in sort of smaller islands. And right now, struggling to put together a, a program for sustainable tourism in the island of Kiev, for instance. But also to create, and that's the second part that we have found fascinating in the project that we're doing uh, on Kia, how do you create something that makes it exciting, A, for the tourists, B, for the local entrepreneurs, and C, for the people who are not part of the tourist community who can get engaged? I think that it's a fascinating opportunity, but not one that will come by itself without help. The tourism industry, more so than other industries, is based on satisfying the customer. But how can we really balance consumer satisfaction within the environmental sustainability? So, so I like to, to uh, um, so, so Michael phrased, if I may, the two fronts. One is regulation, and the second is customer satisfaction. So we know regulation, there are some limits, but frankly, there are still room to maneuver. So, and, uh, and, uh, and in Greece, it's a very good example. But... You see, because locally, uh, governments, local authorities are totally uh, feel that their uh, uh, their life it basically is at risk. Price of life, uh, doctors, nurses, uh, so so it's, it's it becomes a vital problem when you can't propose, you know, uh, houses uh, to your own population. But the second topic that you are tackling, Michael, my my view is extremely important. This is the the the, the principle of the customer satisfaction. And let's be blunt, 
the customer satisfaction that we are uh, that we have in mind. I want a blue sky, a blue sea, a nice sand. This is a construction. This is totally artificial. This is the outcome of 50 years, 60 years of club med entertainment. Uh, I, I like to, to quote uh, Mr. Pavlov, but uh, in fact, it's something that we can change. The question is, uh, what is a new paradigm? And so uh, Michael is precisely phrasing one, which is, okay, you go to Delos, but when you go to Delos, uh, you have to work there and you have to do something for the community. Uh, so, so that's uh, so. This is this is the beginning of of something that could be that's really extremely uh, promising, I think, for this industry and for the citizens living uh, in the in the most uh, touristic places. It's, which is really what is the new customer satisfaction? And we know that it can't be any longer. And even people who have the less uh, level of conscience uh, know that it can't last too long. And that uh, blue sky, uh, a great sea, uh, is not a nice sea, uh, is not something that will last for long if we are not uh, acting. And so we need to find, that's a point that I like in what Michael said, we need to find new images, new symbols, new ways to represent what is, uh, you know, uh, a dream. Because, again... It's a construction of the last uh, of the last sixty years. So, so that's something that we we can really rebuild. It's in, it's in our hands. It, I think it may it may take time. It may take years. But with the the power of the digital of the all those players, it can radically change. Probably uh, in the next uh, in the next ten years. While uh, yes, it took 50, 60 years to 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 construct this uh, uh, this uh, this uh, this old system. Uh, let me let me just piggyback on on what Cyril was sa was saying because I think that what we think is the purpose and the appropriate behavior of tourists, and I think that we are able to shape that. And the good news is that I think that there is an increasing understanding coming both from people who are able to express the need to understand the environment, and I think that what Cyril is saying is. How can we create the positive image, i.e. not think about sustainability as a checklist of, ah, I'm not going to be using plastic straws and I'm going to be uh, reducing the amount of waste and fine, I'm not going to be actually uh, washing my towels often. Great, it's going to save me a bit, of, a bit of money as well and I'm going to say that we don't have water. Maybe true, maybe simply convenient. I mean, this is, this is just basic sort of, you know, health, uh, check stuff. But I think that what we're moving now into something where, again, to go back to the question of purpose, you start turning sustainability and exploring the environment as something that has value. People don't have a preordained idea of which way is up. And that's, I think, the deeper way of, of looking at what Cyril was saying, that over 50 years, we're like, well, I want to have a nice holiday. What's a nice holiday? Well, I guess what all these ads are saying, which is, I am on the sun and I have unlimited use of anything and I throw away the things that I don't and then I sleep and that's fun. And I think that there is this interesting interactive element whereby it is both about customer satisfaction, but also about shaping what the customers will want. And we are seeing opportunities, but I think that opportunities require catalysts. And I think that this is where also thought leadership is going to be useful in order to bridge the different stakeholders and lead to something that is going to be 
not only sustainable, it's not that you're doing something that you're thinking, oh, I am not doing this, but that I'm giving purpose. And that's what I find attractive and sort of the idea, for instance, saying, you know, give some to take some, that, you know, your engagement with the place that you're looking uh, is is transformed and you're turning that into virtue, not into a list of obligations. That's fascinating, Michael. Cyril, you spoke earlier about purpose. Could slow tourism possibly be a solution to some of these issues of sustainability? We'll have to find probably a word, but uh, the, we we, uh, we are working on this topic at, uh, at Capgemini and, and by the way, including uh, some philosophers in, in our reflection, which is key paradigm today element of the customer satisfaction is everything, everywhere, uh, anytime, at, at any price, at the lower, at the lowest price, or at the highest price. So we think that this is this is, this paradigm is really burning the planet. So we need to think and we need to reconsider the question of time. Find new levels of satisfaction, alternative to uh, speed and to uh, immediacy. So here comes the idea of slow tourism because. Uh, what can I expect if I take a French example? Uh, if I move from a TGV, uh, so a fast train, to a to a regular Corail train uh, from between, you know, uh, Paris and Côte d'Azur and the Riviera, what are the alternatives to? Uh, okay, uh, uh, you are burning CO two uh, in three hours. Uh, what if uh, you take ten hours? What do you do? What do you propose to people? And how do you attract them? How do you attract them in this new system, is the, in this new way to uh, to think differently, uh, to use time, uh, to uh, to totally leverage, you know, uh, the, the one day instead of uh, spending two hours. So this is this is a, a fantastic uh, field uh, for us and uh, an opportunity to rethink offerings and products for consumers and for the and for the clients. So it's definitely a, a solution, but again, here you need, we need to find the right promises and the right, uh, as we say, USP, unique selling proposition. That's great, but how can the industry leaders impact the sustainability of the tourism industry? What do we need to do to make an impact here? And how does the industry need to make a leading stance? Well, I think that, first of all, there is a healthy reaction uh, in terms of what industry leaders are doing. And often I think that they uh, tend to be a little bit bolder than political or even region leadership itself. Let me just give you sort of a, um, a small case study. Um, I facilitated, a, organized a panel in the Delphi Economic Forum a few months ago with the Greek tourist minister, uh, Vasil Gilles. Uh, the chairman of the Hoteliers Association, Yanis Retsos, and uh, the Secretary General of Europa Nostra, as well as uh, the, uh, the lady running uh, policy for our NGO, Elet. And it was interesting because I think that you saw that the drivers for change in terms of rethinking tourism uh, were the industry association. Um, and I think that their angst was for the ministry to listen <laughs> rather than uh, lead. And I think that they are understanding that, and in, in Greece, I think that we are in a really critical point because its uh, success of tourism is currently risking undermining its survival, not just its sustainability, but its mere survival. 
i.e. if you allow the onslaught that we have created, then um, we may undermine the viability of the product itself. It'll stop being useful. Cities must be exciting. The mayor of Athens recently uh, sort of said after quite a bit of push in after the end of the summer in uh, one of the key newspapers, uh, he said, well, you know, we won't let Athens become Disneyland. It is a super fun city, but once you let everything become a tourist shop and you remove all the real activities from the city, its charm disappears. It becomes an empty vehicle. It stops even being interesting, let alone viable, let alone attractive to the people who live there. So I think that the leaders and, and you know, in the same meeting in Delphi, you know, some of the people who had uh, hotels in the trendy parts of Athens kind of said, we don't want more hotel and tourism driven developments. We want a balance. And I think that there is an understanding, and I think that there is both a, an understanding to preserve their own investments, let alone think about value. And there is, I think, an appreciation of the role of value. So do I see industry leaders move ahead, you know, taking a look at what SET is done with a project 2030, saying at least let's organize that and let's think about the framework? Yes. And I think that quite often they are further ahead than politicians that are reactive uh, because, for, for instance, in Greece, uh, I guess that the idea of a tourism ministry is a tourism ad shop as opposed to managing the impacts of tourism or integrating it with society or giving it more meaning or facilitating stuff like stuff that we don't do, like agritourism and other thematic tourism, which then change the purpose, right? Because you don't want, it goes back to what we were saying, you want to enhance those who can provide things that provide meaning, that are economically good, because they're not just in the hot season where everyone wants to take a break, but people who come to walk in the nature and can leave nice income in uh, untrodden areas, or people who want to go do diving or sailing or exploring culturally. So I think that there is opportunity, and I think that there is a growing awareness of people in the sector. If anything, I think that we need to selectively encourage it, identify and promote, and that's, I think, the role of a company such as Capgemini and Invent, identify and promote and showcase the opportunities. Because in this inflection point, we need to not only demonstrate the need for us to be uh, responsible to be the planet, but to motivate people by showing what are the possibilities. And I think that there are possibilities aplenty and that industry is moving in the right direction, but we cannot uh, not support them in doing so. And we need to be selective in our uh, support of what they're doing and sort of showcasing the art of the possible. That's great what you say about the regulations, but how can businesses actually make an impact here? What can businesses do to protect the natural ecosystems and not just rely on these regulators? In my final words, I'd like to, to say that I'm, I'm totally aligned with what Michael just said. And um, I think it will be a matter of finding new deals. If I'm blunt, uh, 30 years ago, the deal was, okay, you can go to, to Greece and Turkey, but you don't steal uh, Roman pieces. You let them there, okay? Uh, so that was really the, the low level <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of consciousness. Now, I think, and that is, again, uh, the, the potential for this industry, uh, is what can you do 
for this country. What can you do for the village you visit? So you're not just there to take pictures. You're not just uh, uh, there in a, in a passive mood. Of course, you, 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 you need people, you need to, to uh, take some break, and, but it will be more proactive. It will be uh, a new deal in between, you know, the the tourist and the visited country. I really think that's the, the and I'm optimistic on that. And uh, players like us are there to to invent those new uh, offerings and services. But it's a new deal. But something that we should not uh, forget is that we need regulation. It will not just happen like that by chance. And just because people are good by definition, no, I don't believe on that in a minute. Uh, if you, uh, if uh, in uh, in Venice uh, you don't stop the big boats into the uh, the Laguna, uh, it will not happen like a miracle. So we need regulation, and that's very important because uh, that's uh, that's a trigger of many things. Uh, regulation that is, uh, of course, uh, explained. It's a matter of education as well. But I, I really think that. Uh, the new deal uh, will come up soon. I, I, I really trust the new generation, which are uh, who are sorry uh, extremely uh, demanding on that front, uh, who are totally aware of uh, the, the the framework and the constraint of the planetary boundaries. So. It's a matter of uh, defining the, the, the new deals with many players. And of course, uh, I think uh, professors and intellectuals like uh, like Michael will bring uh, ideas in some uh, places where the influence uh, is, uh, is developed around this topic. Well, I mean, I think that we're already seeing uh, the benefit of both allowing the businesses to identify what they can do for the environment, but expecting them to do more. So for instance, again, uh, over the last 15 years, there's been a push and now in addition to boards speaking about the performance, there is at least an understanding, whether that's perfunctory or not, whether they do it for PR or for true reasons, to think about their ESG responsibilities. I think that in as much as we develop an equivalent framework when it comes to tourism, of saying, how is it that you engage and interact with the environment? What is it that you're doing to support it? So that the companies themselves, in addition to saying, we've done well, explain how they have helped the environment, I think that's going to be very powerful. And I think that this is where we need to tell them, look, in the same way that you have ESG reports elsewhere, we need to start with the acknowledgement that left unchecked, as Cyril was saying, we will have negative impacts on your environment. Tell us, what do you do? And let the creativity of people in business come to the surface, and as it comes to the surface, help us co-define it. So let me just, again, agree with what Cyril was saying. It's not going to happen by itself. What do you need to do? Well, first regulation, and by the way, when it comes to regulation, I would say that there is a deeper issue in terms of both planning and incentives. Again, to give you a specific example, um, sort of from Greece, simply because I've been involved in that, we're doing the absolutely irrational thing to dub any big investment, strategic investment, and subsidize the profit of touristic companies, when in Mykonos we had an overflowing of the sewers. Well, no, I mean, if they are consuming more resources, they should be paying into the system. They should not be getting from the system. I think we need to rethink exactly what the deal is between society and touristic companies. 
Um, and also we need to think about what are the other planning parameters that affect tourism. Once we've seen that, then we go to the, to the companies themselves. And I think that rather than saying the government will have done part of its deal and its regulation, and it needs to regulate the sustainability, there I would be more entrepreneurial. And there I would say, let companies explain what they're doing to support the environment and let those who care about the environment uh, be able to engage with them in an open and transparent way. Transparency, open questions, and making it a fair deal uh, for people to ask these questions can really change the perspective of managers. Because you're sitting there and you're a manager and you've got a unit and you're like, blimey, I've got all these things to do about the environment. And originally it's a bit of a pain in the neck because you know you just have to say some nice things. But over time it becomes a thing. And you start thinking about your environment and about how you support circularity. And you're like, oh, okay, so I have to think about that. So this is what I think we need to start expecting. And the good news is a few people are already ahead. You do see, and in all countries, and you've examples for Greece as well, that how there are some visionaries turning that into a real fee. But what we need to do is to turn the nice to have into an expectation and turning the entrepreneurship and the innovation of the people involved into uh, an opportunity to come up with the ideas themselves. And the final thing that I'd say is engaging the NGOs, because we can't have people who care about the environment simply say, oh, we want nothing, we want the preservation of the environment and no development, and have the people who are involved in tourism saying, get out of here, just a nuisance. We need to be able to find a balance and a debate and a discussion. And I think that government cannot in and of itself provide solutions. There are a few things that it needs to do, and in most cases, it can do better. But I think that what it also needs to do is to facilitate the engagement of the excitement of the people interested in preserving the environment and also the entrepreneurial drive of the people that are driving the business. And this is where I think the real opportunity lies. A new deal, which is going to be more transparent, where we're asking the tourist, the tourism executives to say what they did to support the environment. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, you will see these green shoots that Cyril was mentioning become much bigger and much faster. Thanks, gentlemen. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Cyril, do you have any final thoughts for the audience? Yeah, no, not a thought, but just to build on what Michael just said, I think the deal that Michael was mentioning is in reach because tourism industry is extremely today concentrated. So more than it was uh, 30 years ago. So who are the, the big guys who have an impact? There may be some tense conversations huh, with the local authorities, but the, the the players are well identified, at least those who have the bigger the bigger impact. So uh, that's promising, if I may say. From that conversation, it's easy to see how exciting potential for new sustainable tourism experiences is presenting new opportunities for business leaders and tourists alike. A special thank you to Cyril and Michael for sharing their insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Future Sight, a show from Capgemini Invent. 
We'll see you soon. Thank you.